Coming up on this edition of the Golf Digest podcast, we discuss the 100th PGA Championship at Bell Reef Country Club. My God, my swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. Well, why do they even have one if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! What is this, custom? Mine's off the rack. I wish Tiger Woods was here to help me with this. We'll do it live! Welcome back to the Golf Digest Podcast. I'm Alex Myers, and uh, we had to do a uh, kind of emergency podcast here, obviously, on Sunday night following the conclusion of the 100th PGA Championship. Uh, I'm joined now by Joel Beal, who is in St. Louis still. Joel, uh, have you recovered from a crazy day? I was about to ask you the same thing. I'm, I'm just glad to hear your voice. I didn't know if your heart would still be beating after that, that final two hours. Um I gotta be honest, all hyperbole aside, it was one of the crazier golf atmospheres I've ever experienced. Crazier sporting event atmospheres, I should say. Uh, man, for an event that everyone was dogging at the start of the week, it turned out to be at least one of the best major finishes I can I can think of in recent memory. I don't, I don't know about you, I can't even think of anything that comes close in terms of how the crowd re- was reacting, the, the players involved. I guess, man... Maybe Phil in 04 Masters. I, I know the Valhalla PJ in 2014 was great too, but in terms of just sheer atmosphere, it, it was something else, man. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I obviously you were there. You know the atmosphere better, but you know we kept hearing all week about the crazy crowds, about St. Louis being such a great sports town. I know they got beaten to death, but but clearly, you know, these crowds had never seen Tiger Woods play. Of course, you wrote that story. He was supposed to play in the 2001 WGC, got canceled after 9-11. He drove home. That's when he changed what he was doing with his foundation and everything. But but again, those fans never got to see him. And now 17 years later, he comes back. He didn't play in the 2008 BMW Championship because uh, he was out with that knee surgery. Um, you know, they just seemed so excited to get to see Tiger Woods. And I think they would have been excited no matter what he did. But then he ended up putting on a show like this. I mean, it really was remarkable. You're, you're right. And and just sitting at home, it, you know, I had chills the whole day. I'm not going to lie. And, uh, you know, I mean, when he missed, uh, that puck came up short on 11. I, I felt, oh, <laughs> I was devastated. And then when he almost hold the shot on 15, I, I almost had like tears come to my eye. I mean, it was, it was so incredible. I mean, even Nick Faldo was getting emotional about it and he doesn't seem to be the biggest tiger fan to be honest. So, uh, even my wife was watching and she doesn't even care about golf. She couldn't take it. She couldn't watch. It was, it was too much to handle. Um, no, you could, you could, it's it was crazy. Faldo. Someone else brought that up earlier in the media center. Yeah. Faldo is a guy you could take his dog and shoot it right in front of him. He wouldn't blink. So if you get an emotion <laughs> about a tiger, it says something. And another thing I want to point out, and I have yet to see the video of it, but when tiger came off 18, there was just a crowd of people just standing there waiting to see him cross this bridge yeah. to where the locker room and, and interview area was at. And these were fans who could not see what was going on at 18. It's right. really just a really tight walkway. And just the visual, it, it was like legitimately, like, it reminded me honestly of the Pope waving in Vatican City. <laughs> it was just such a crazy, surreal sight. And no offense to Brooks Kepka, obviously he's got the trophy, but right. Tiger Woods is the guy we remember this 2018 PGA Championship for. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you're right. They panned and they showed the crowd. And again, to mention my wife, she blurred out, holy you know, I mean, she couldn't believe it. It was it was that amazing. And you mentioned uh, him waving to the crowd, even him giving a thumbs up. This is after 
you know, he must have known he wasn't going to win. Uh, but he, this is just kind of a different Tiger. He waited around. He gave Brooks a hug. Um, you know, he, he gave the huge fist pump on 18 instead of the like, oh, shucks, I finally made one reaction. I mean, he played this through and through till the end. He gave it everything he had. It was just an incredible performance. And, and yeah, I mean, I can only imagine. I, I was at, at Carnoustie last month when he, you know, took the lead, obviously, on the back nine a Sunday there. And at, like you said, I, I never felt such a, you know, a, a buzz, especially in the media center. I mean, you have old curmudgeon uh, golf riders who are, you know, just going crazy. I mean, try, you know, trying to hold it in, but it, it's just, it's tough to. I mean, it, it was just so incredible to see what Tiger was doing because a year ago, he hadn't even posted that video that his doctors had cleared him to, to chip yet. I mean, this is, we we're talking a year ago. We had no idea what he was doing, and yet he almost wins the, the season's final two majors. I mean, he was a seven-foot putt away uh, on 18 at Carnoustie from finishing runner-up at the Open and at the PGA. It's really stunning. Not only a year ago, 10 months ago, he was admitting he wasn't sure if he was going to play professional right. golf again. Right. Then even in his first few starts, uh, you know, he made made the cut at Torrey, but he looked really bad at Riviera. Yep. Uh, I know he had that nice little run in March, but from the Masters really to Carnoustie, there wasn't a lot to get excited about. The players, I know he had a, a really good run there on Saturday, but, you know, even his, was it the national, like, okay, yeah, T, you know, T4, but it was a, a pretty distant T4. But from what we've seen the past month, like, my God, I, it, I understand if people want to say Tiger Woods might not win another major, but I think we can all agree he clearly has the capability to. And uh, the fact that his body was able to withstand Saturday, the, the 26 holes or 27 holes where he had to play, and was able to shoot the the low round of Sunday, it really shows you the state of where his body's at. And, uh, it, man, the, the as exciting as this moment is right now, it's just the exciting thing of what's – Tiger, Tiger Woods has a future now. It's the first time we could honestly say that in four or five years. So the fact that we can now look ahead with a little bit of prosperity is something that's it's really hard to process at the moment, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned looking ahead. Uh, Westgate, Las Vegas uh, Sports Superbook has already put out their odds for the Masters. He is a co-favorite with Jordan Spieth. Uh, and honestly, it's really not that big of a stretch. I mean, this is a guy who, again, at the, the last two majors of this season— he almost won. So, uh, you know, yes, he has not won any tournament in, in over five years. He obviously has not won a major in over 10 years. But the fact that he's coming, coming so close uh, definitely, you know, has fans uh, reason to be optimistic. That being said, though, I kind of felt the same way about Carnoustie. And then as the days went on, I started to say, well, what if that's as close as he ever comes? Because you never know. But then again, less than a month later, he almost does it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. As, as long as he's healthy, um, and he has said numerous times that injuring his back, at least in that place where it got fused, is going to be like breaking a leg. It's going to be very tough to do that. Now, that doesn't mean he couldn't injure the knee again or injure the back in another place. But as long as he does stay healthy, I mean, he's clearly one of the best players in the world last now, right now. Last week, I was saying that he's clearly one of the top 25 players in the world. I didn't want to go crazy here. But, I mean, isn't he one of the top 10 players in the world now? I mean, seriously, could you name that, 10 guys I, I who are better? Top 15. And the okay, top 15. 15 is that it's so interchangeable. Right. Uh, I mean, heck, Justin Rose is one of the best guys in the world. And, um, you know, he had, what, 10, 
10 top 10s in a row in the last 17 yeah 17 yeah. 18 events so and, and he's a guy who honestly we don't talk a lot about it's just because there's so many good guys um yeah you know i wouldn't i think if you said top 10 you would get some you get some eyebrows but at the same time if you start looking down and at the jason day tommy fleetwood patrick reed that you know nine through ricky right. fowler alex norton i think we can say where tiger's game at right now is at least comparable to those guys so um it's funny, I think he's up to 26 in the world now. I mean, Tiger Woods in the top 20 by the end of the season, depending on what happens to the FedEx Cup, is a very real possibility. Right, and that's, again, he doesn't have anything from uh, last year to count. He only has one year. He's using that minimum divisor of 40 events. He's only played about, what, 15 events? And he's and he's gotten right. into uh, right around the top 25. So, yeah, I, I don't even know. Top 10 might not be that big of a stretch. I mean, you know... I hate to say it, but you know, you put him up against a Ricky Fowler tomorrow. Are you really taking Ricky Fowler in a one-round situation over Tiger Woods? I, I don't even know. And you know, mentioned you mentioned a guy like Patrick Reed. Of course, he won the Masters, and yes, he did almost win the U.S. Open. But that's his only win this year. Now I know Tiger doesn't have a win this year, but my point is, other than you know, DJ, uh, Justin Thomas, and and even Bubba this year, who have all won three times, you know there aren't that many guys who have just won a bunch of times uh, to, to really establish themselves as that much better. Of, of course, obviously Brooks Koepka has won twice and they're both majors. And uh, actually, you know, we probably should start talking about Brooks, shouldn't we? I mean, we don't want to give him any more ammo in this. Uh, I get no respect routine that he's going around. Uh, so uh, yeah, we, we've, what have we been talking for about 10 minutes? We haven't mentioned Brooks uh, really. That much. Let's talk about Brooks, Joel. He, he is a, obviously an impressive specimen and a very impressive golfer. He has now won three major championships all in the last, what, 15 months? It's pretty incredible uh, meteoric rise to Hall of Fame status. I mean, three of the last seven, and really three of the last six, given that he didn't play in this year's Masters. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's for the longest time, it felt like we just would talk about this guy's potential, that he would only have one win. It was at Phoenix, and yeah, he's got some international victories, but... You look at him and go, what's, what's the deal? Why isn't this guy not winning more? And uh, all of a sudden, he's already in the Hall of Fame, and he's just hanging. He's not even at his prime yet. He's 28. Historically, people hit golfers or hit their prime uh, you know, at 32, 33 range. So uh, he's a guy who's still developing other parts of his game. For the longest time, we looked at him as just as a, as a muscle guy. Uh, clearly, he's shown he's not that winning at Shinnecock. Um, yeah, you... I think we thought, yeah, you know, he'll, he'll win a major someday, but three, I don't think anyone really... Saw that coming, especially again, given he only had one win before Aaron Hills. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing to see where how far this guy has come in the last, like you mentioned, fifteen months, right. and uh, more importantly, where where it's going. It's it's if you look at his major record, it seems like no matter the venue, he's in the top ten somehow. So, uh, I mean, this is the guy we we can start talking about career Grand Slam aspirations. Yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, it's crazy how in these wins he has really put the pedal to the metal down the stretch. Obviously, going back to Aaron Hills, it was that late birdie binge that separated him from the field. At Shinnecock, uh, you know, he faced Dustin Johnson head-to-head in that final round and beat him and took on all comers. And then today, with, you know, a bunch of big names chasing at his heels, including the biggest name, Tiger, just playing a couple groups in front of him, he, he didn't flinch. Not only did he not flinch, he kept playing aggressively right down to the last hole, hitting driver, 
Um, you know, he even missed a bunch of close birdie putts or he could have won by more, but he ripped off those, uh, those couple straight late birdies on 15 and 16 on 16, you know, he basically slammed the door shut 248 yard par three hits it to eight feet, makes the birdie. And, and I actually took some crap because, you know, in a slight bit of, you know, I was definitely in awe, but I was also in a little bit of rage because I <laughs> still wanted Tiger to win. Uh, I tweeted, how does this guy only have one regular PGA Tour event? It makes no sense. I did it in all caps. I took a lot of crap because all these people, well, st- all these people start saying because that's what? that has been the recurring theme, which is funny from this win is that I feel like a lot of people keep you're not alone in saying that, and you're right. I don't think you meant there was no negative connotation on it. Right. I think it was it was more just curiosity of how right. does this guy exactly. only have one tour win? And I exactly. Think there's kind of two reactions to that, at least from my end. One, it's really really hard to win on the pga tour if a guy like brooks sure. only has one of them um but also i think it just it, it's funny we so i think we talk about both sides of our mouth in the sense of we have become ingrained and i say we players fans media that only four tournaments matter like when we talk about kepka's friend dustin johnson we kind of slide him that this guy has all the talent in the world he has what 19 wins now yeah but only one major but then now when we talk about Brooks, this is the guy who only gets it done during the majors. And we go, well, why is he winning more on tour? Right. It's one of these things of we, we can't you can't really win. But um no, he definitely seems to be ingrained of this is what it takes to get done the majors. I think I think honestly a lot of tour venues open themselves up to a bigger field, a lot that they, they play to more abilities. At the majors only really fifteen to twenty guys. I know there's always the uh, you know, random guy every every four or five years or so. But if you look at the past five or six years, you don't have those one-offs as much as you used to. Right. Um, and because of that, it, with, with the lack of pretenders, it really elevates the top. And it, it shows where it kept this game at. When the best of the best come out, his game rises to the top. Yeah, no, and and that's certainly the case. We You mentioned it's really three out of the last six majors, which is Tiger-esque, let's be honest. But no, the, the third reaction that I got was all these people, obviously Europeans, saying, oh, you only count what happens in America. He won all the time in Europe. And, okay, he did. He went to Europe. He honed his game there. He won three. He won on the Challenge Tour, I think, and then he won three European Tour events. I didn't. I wasn't discounting that at all. I'm just saying, like you're saying, I mean, a guy who's capable of winning three majors is, is again, like an, all, an all-time great player. I don't care where else he's won all over the world. He should have more regular PGA Tour wins to go with those three majors. It's not like he hasn't been playing on the on the tour the last few years. It's not like he was playing on the European Tour when he won these majors, and now he's coming over here. He's been over here now for a few years. He's now won three majors and only one regular tour event. It, again, it's just an odd ratio, uh, you know. And and whether it's the extra motivation from playing in these events, whether he really just has the you know mental game uh whatever you want to call it to to be able to handle the pressure of these big events whatever it is he he obviously does rise to the occasion in these events and and yeah i I feel bad for his friend dustin johnson because dustin johnson should have more than one major win of course to go along with those 19 uh regular events and and yeah of course you'd rather have probably the three majors than the 19 wins at this point I, i know some people might debate the other way but um, it's a remarkable career that he's putting together and that he's putting together in just a very short time. By the way, you can tell it's a Ryder Cup year because a lot of the European contingent in the media center were saying, he's won five times, what do you guys want? And it's like, <laughs> well, he's, he's 
He's won once. If we're counting right. Challenge Tour wins, then all of a sudden right. we're going to count Web.com wins. How about Sunshine Tour? Like, right. And right. It, it got the the bittering. It wasn't even in a playful tone. There was it was a little bit of heat around it. So yeah, uh, I, I know this is the last major of the year, but the way this Ryder Cup is shaping up, the fact that media are going at it, it's uh, it shows you what we're in store here in about sixty days. You're totally right, and and obviously you know Alan Shipnuck wrote that column that like anytime a European player does well, like Francesco Molinari winning the Open, people bring up this column that he basically said that the Ryder Cup's dead because the U.S. is just going to kill Europe for the next decade or so and he just gets killed every time someone does anything but but today the u.s looked pretty good because obviously again we have brooks Kepka well, and we have tiger woods i mean we have tiger woods i know i know there were people questioning uh you know even some prominent golf riders this week questioning whether tiger woods should be on the team i mean are you kidding there aren't five u.s players better than tiger woods right now again i, I wouldn't put ricky fowler ahead of him right now tiger woods is one of the best players uh, not only in the world, but clearly in the U.S. And uh, it's going to be great to see him back. And, and you're right, it's probably going to be as pumped up and hyped of a Ryder Cup as ever. I know we say that every every couple of years because this event just keeps growing in stature. But, man, it really is going to be exciting uh, come uh, in the coming months. Few few things on that end. One, the Euros actually had a pretty good showing. They had John Rahm, Thomas Peters, sure. Molinari again. Sure. Uh, Rafa had a really nice tournament, and then there's someone. Oh, Ty Hatton. That's five guys in the top ten for the Euros. Who? Yeah, very uh, strong. Right now, Thomas Peters is not even really a uh, lock to make the Ryder Cup team. Yep. So they had a pretty strong showing at Bell Reef. But um, yeah, it is funny how people questioned should Tiger be on it. Um, clearly that uh, this performance answered that. But also, let's be honest, Tiger and Phil are on the team. They, there's no oh, doubt. They've this been is on a it for TV months. TV-driven event. Yeah. There's no chance they are not getting the call from Jim Furyk. Um, it is funny though. Everyone questioned Tiger. No one's really questioning Phil at the moment, given how bad he has played the last couple of months. I know he was. I think he's tenth, or you know, the the, the cut was today, so the the apex has been made, and right. Phil was right uh, behind Bryson DeChambeau uh, for I think DeChambeau was nine, Phil was ten, but Phil's not exactly firing on all cinders. And I know he's got the FedEx Cup to turn around, but I'm surprised more people aren't asking why why Phil. Uh, yeah, I think it's very assumed that he's going to be on the team. I know he's got this amazing track record, but at 48, he's really starting to show his age, and it'll be interesting to see how that how that does turn out here in the next couple. Yeah, of weeks. no, that's a great point, and I'm looking at the list right now. Yeah, you're right. Bryson finished ninth; he just missed qualifying. Phil 10. Tiger moved all the way to 11. So again, he was definitely going to make it anyway. He could have missed the cut this week; it wouldn't have mattered. Uh, but he actually is in the top 12. So I think that that locks that up. Xander Shoffley's number 12 and uh, Matt Kuchar's number 13. So that that's going to be interesting. But yeah, on the Euro side, just to talk a little Ryder Cup for a second, you, you mentioned the U.S. has Phil Mickelson, the, the guy who was the, the lock, and now he's struggling. The Euro side, you have Henrik Stenson and Sergio Garcia, who you know you would think would be locks, but those guys will take potential spots away from a Thomas Peters, like you mentioned. Um, that that definitely could be interesting uh, with some of Thomas Bjorn's captain's picks. Yeah, Sergio, I think it's going to be the real interesting one. Uh, Stenson, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually takes himself out. His, his elbow seems like really is That's uh, true. an issue at the That's moment. That's a good point. That could um, happen. But, man, Sergio has just been Oof. his game. I mean, not only is he missing cuts, he is not even close. Yeah. Um, his it's funny i think a lot of not a lot of people but some people thought that masters win could actually just kind of be the start of something more that he it could extend his career 
uh, for a few more years. Hey, that is starting to look like that might have been the end. Um, I, I know he he's had some success internationally since then, but uh, man, the past four or five months, and he, he does he did just get married and does have a kid. I think you have to factor that in. I think we've seen what that the effect on that of Adam Scott, a guy who's been in the wilderness the past couple of years. But right. uh, yeah, coming into an event that he he loves to play in. They're going to have a really awkward situation on their hands with the Sergio thing. Yeah, you're right. It looked like when someone wins a first major, it's kind of like, oh, the floodgates are going to open. But you're right. He, he, it's looking, I hate to say it, it's it's a Darren Clark situation here. I mean, he's missed all seven major cuts since he won the Masters. I mean, that is brutal. And the other headache, so, the other headache yeah. they have coming up is Alexander Levy. And, and in terms of countries – France might be the most provincial of any mm. nation in the world, mm. and you would think you would need at least some type of representation from him. And you know, Levy's had a, a pretty good year, but he's coming in kind of cold. So that, that's another weird situation. If, if they decide to, hey, we need someone from France to be on the team, that's another spot that can technically get away. So there, as interesting as the American side is coming down the stretch, uh, Thomas Bourne's got a couple. Head scratchers himself, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, good point. Well, Deschambeau—that's a French-sounding last name. Maybe that'll <laughs> be the bone that they that the French crowd gets. You know, you mentioned Adam Scott in there. We got to talk about him. Obviously, you know, down the stretch here today, it became a three-man race, and Adam Scott was probably the most surprising guy. Not that he, you know, of course, a former world number one, former Masters champ, but man, he has really fallen off. I, I think. You know, we talked about the anchor ban, whose career would hurt. I've I've asked Adam Scott about that. I mean, he he's definitely still miffed about the anchor ban. I mean, it really stalled his career. I mean, let's be honest. He was not only winning tournaments, but he was starting to win and maybe contend in majors when this happened. But, uh, you know, he did an interesting thing today. He had two putters in the bag, which shows you he's still not very confident with uh, that long putter. But how impressed were you with Adam Scott, um, you know, kind of, coming out of nowhere this week and, and showing that he still has the game to contend. Yeah, to even play this week, he had to get a special exam from the PGA of America. So the fact that he went from that to the final pairing, but it, it, it's weird. We, this is such a congested, not only a congested leaderboard, but a leaderboard that had so many big names that it's funny. Scott being a number one, former number one in the world, as well as a master champion, no one really talked about him coming into today. It was obviously right. Tiger... Kepka, I think people looked at Ricky Fowler and John Rahm as well as guys who could maybe make a push, Justin Thomas as well. And in a weird way, Scott validated that in the on the first hole bogeying it and didn't really do anything for the next six holes part. And he was, I think, four, four or five behind by the time he got to the seventh hole, made a birdie. I don't think he was even shown on the broadcast to the eighth hole again. So he was, not only was he not on, it didn't seem like, oh, yeah, this who, who is Brooks Kepka playing with? And then he really turned it on. He had four birdies excuse me, five birdies in the next uh, seven holes, got to the 14th tee box, tied for the lead, and actually still traded blows with, with, with Kepka there in the stretch and almost chipped in oh, on, on 16. So close. Um, but but 17 is what really, in, in a, not to be mean, it really kind of encapsulated the struggle of Scott's head with the putter. And has a, Kepka opens the door just a little bit by missing a birdie putt, and yeah. if Scott can make it, he can... Be only down one and really make things interesting on 18, and unfortunately doesn't even really come close with the birdie putt and and bogey's 18 to uh, to fall to the third. But uh, that being said, I think we are maybe I'm being a little too negative because this was a guy who he had a top five in the last two years anywhere, and to come in and compete with four holes left and be right down the stretch of the major championship, 
uh, shows you maybe this guy is not done, that he does have some life left. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here. Uh, I, I do feel bad. He, I think he really was trying to keep the memory of Jared Lyle alive. That was something he talked about a lot in his sure. press conference. Um, but the fact that he was even down the stretch and uh, throughout the throughout the day, everywhere Scott went, people were saying, hey, do this for Jared. You know, Lyle's thinking about you. And, you know, Scott's a, a pretty gregarious guy, pretty small, but you could tell it was kind of weighing him down a little bit just because he knew the gravity of the situation. So that he came so close with all that was on his shoulders is very impressive. And, um, again, hopefully he's able to, make this not just a one-week aberration, but really turn it into and transport it to kind of get his career back on track. Yeah, without a doubt, because obviously, I mean, you can't have a better swing than this guy. It, it's it's, uh, it's kind of sad that he, he has fallen off a little these last few years. Again, mostly, I would say, because of the anchor ban. Uh, but, yeah, certainly a really good week for him. You know, I, I bet him at the Open at 80-1. to 1. So when he was tied for the lead late today, I was like, are you kidding? I missed this pick by one major you got to be kidding because yeah no one thought he's gonna win uh, again but uh anyway uh you know a couple guys we got to talk about they're both americans they both had very disappointing days if we're being honest here uh first is ricky fowler he did nothing today and um you know this was the last major of his 20s he is now going to be in, in the youth is gone he is now going to be 30 starting next year for the major slate. He will enter next year still without a major. He now looks at a guy like Brooks Kepka, who's two years younger than or a year younger than him, who already has three. He looks at a guy who's four years younger than him in Spieth, who has three. You know, Justin Thomas, who's four years younger, has one already. How, I mean, this has got to be really tough for this guy. Especially in a town, you know, he's a big Cardinals fan and the crowd definitely mm. took up that and uh, that flag and he had, he had a lot of support. Um, I mean, he didn't even come close. He only had one birdie, and that was on 13. At that point, he was way out of proceedings. Never quite looked comfortable today. His his irons were just a little bit off. Um, Only had two bogeys. It wasn't like he was blowing up, but uh, certainly on that that front nine, that was very gettable. Makes the turn in 36, and just uh, it it just looked like he was out of his element. And obviously, he's got a lot of baggage at major major championships. And in that same vein, Came very very close this year at the Masters when when you know had a putt uh, to to tie not tie but to make things really uh, really tough on on Patrick Reed and made it on the 18th hole. So you know he he is out of his 20s, but you know 30s not that old in golf at least. Um, there's still a lot of time. Uh, it only takes one major right to change a guy's narrative. Like sure. Phil, and you know went went uh, granted not comparing Ricky to Phil, but um, you know Fowler is still. There's still time, but you're right. This is it's just a weird year for Fowler, and and this was just I think a lot of people thought this this seems like a course that sets up to him the way how how well he hits his irons because if you find the fairway, man, at, at Bell Reeve, every green seems accessible, and and yeah. fortunately just didn't hit for Fowler. And you mentioned two Americans. I, I'm guessing the next guy you want to talk is Justin Thomas because yes. that's the one I'm yes. walking away of just what happened. The first three days, it's funny when he was teeing off. I turn to somebody and go, it's, I don't think he's even played his like B game this right. week. He, he just seems like he's been a little off, and that just shows you how good his game is, that he could not be nowhere near his best and still be in one of the final groups. And he got off to that really strong start, and it, it just seemed like he was fighting his putter all day. Uh, I know that the, the two, three putts would stand out, but even under uh, some, there were some putts under six feet that he just looked really shaky on and really unsure. 
I think he was one of the few guys that really couldn't just get, you just didn't get comfortable on, on the greens all week. I think the stats reflect that. Um, even down the stretch there, the, the, the missed chip, uh, it, it, I feel bad. I think he's, I know, I know a lot of guys are going to be looking at the round and wondering what if. Um, finishing six back, it's not like you can look at one or two holes and think, oh, that was right there for the taking. Sure. But, man, I think if he goes hole by hole, Thomas could really honestly say, I should have been 18 under in this tournament. So, uh, great year for me. Just won last week, and this is still a very strong showing. But I think Thomas is still probably shaking his head at the moment, wondering what could have been. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, he gets off to an incredible start. He's three under through seven. He's in the fairway on eight. He hits a bad, I guess it was a three wood. He ends up only making par. Um, and that kind of, you know, that, that was big. And he bogeyed nine with that, nine oh, was that big. brutal, yeah, that a, brutal yeah. three putt, brutal and, three putt. And, and I know it looked like it took a hop. Right. It looked like it took a hop on the good. first putt. I'll give him that. But then it, you know, that happened to everybody here, uh, at Bell Reeve. He, you know, he misses like a two footer coming back. And then to his credit, he birdies 10 and 11 when he birdied 11 from, I mean, that was an impossible chip shot mm-hmm. from the gallery under a tree up the ridge. You know that well, he was tied for the lead at that point. At that point, Kepka scuffling a little. You think, wow, Justin Thomas is going to win again. He's going to defend his title. He's going to get to number one in the world. And then, you know, if he doesn't make a 30 foot bomb on 15, he bogeys three in a row, 14, 15, 16. So I, I that was crazy because yeah, I would say, you know, at one point there were at least four guys today. You thought, okay, wow, they're they're going to win. You know, Brooks is going to win. Adam Scott's going to win. Tiger's going to win. And Justin was that fourth guy. And uh, the fact that he finished six shots off the lead when you're looking at the leaderboard now in T six, it's kind of stunning. It is, and um, again, in a weird way, I think this just shows you how good this guy is and how good he's going to be. Yeah. Um, that we we are looking and there's so many possibilities of man what could have been and but you're right 11 really was how bad hit that drive and where he was at and it's like oh boy but bogey could be happening here and when he hit that chip it was still was just phenomenal i don't think people realize how tough of a shot that was um it, on the year his putting's been pretty good so i think we can just take chalk this up uh as a one-week aberration um but yeah, it's funny. People mentioned Brooks Kepko. This has to lock up the Player of the Year honors, right? I, mean, if, I if think Thomas so. wins a couple times in the FedEx Cup. Like I think we actually have a bit of a discussion, and that's not no slight at Brooks, though. I'm sure he'll take it that way if he hears this. But I think it just shows you how good of a year Thomas has had. Yeah, no, I I, I think you're right, though. I think it's hard to give to not give it to someone who won two majors. Um, you know, that's true. I wasn't even thinking about that with Brooks. And you know, again. We talk about Brooks not having the other wins. It's not like he hasn't played well. He's obviously played well. He has two runner-ups, actually, this year as well. But, um, yeah, two majors definitely overcomes three wins. Well, none of those guys with three wins have a major. So, yeah, they're they're done. I mean, I guess if Justin Thomas ran the table, something crazy, got to seven wins— or, or three out of four maybe won the Tour Championship and the FedEx Cup. Same with Dustin Johnson. I, I guess he, they would get some consideration, and Brooks did nothing in the playoffs. But, man, that's a that's tall order. And, and, again, you'd have people going, you know, berserk if a guy with two majors lost to a guy with zero majors. Um, I don't think, you know, Patrick Reed is, is probably done at this point uh, from the conversation. Francesco Molinari, I, I don't even think he's a – well, is he a full PGA Tour? I don't even know if he's up for consideration for that. 
I believe he is, but yeah, you're right. I think he's going to be yeah. playing on the Euro. Euro tour yeah. kind of coming down the stretch, uh, especially with the Ryder Cup. I mean, he's on he's on the Ryder Cup team, but I think you're going to see him more in Europe, getting ready for uh, right. getting ready for France. Uh, by, by the way, well done by him. I mean, he quietly finished tied for sixth, and at one point today, I was thinking. Wow, he might go back to back here. Uh, he when he got into the mix, he, he like Tiger. He got up to his, a slow start on Thursday, but he played great. I mean, he's you know, look, he's a legit guy. He was definitely in the the list of ten guys you had to look at coming in this week, and he he certainly proved that. Um, I'm trying to think here, Joel. What what else do we want to talk about? You know, Joel, you got lucky this week because I know you heard you heard us talk about it on the Slack channel, but geez, the commercials, holy good God, I mean especially with TNT and the, the, the same commercials over and over again, the Jeep commercial with the connection song by one Republic. Ah, oh, man, you were, you were very lucky to be in the media center or out in the course this week uh, in particular. Between the commercials, uh, most of the American crowd missing that Friday scoring barrage in the morning. Uh, well, the people in the UK apparently couldn't even watch the That's championship right. on That's Thursday right. and Friday. Yeah. And then, uh, unfortunately I'm, again, I wasn't really watching the broadcast. I was out on the course a lot today, but it sounded- uh, yesterday, it sounded like CBS had a really rough day as well. So, uh, yeah. not not the greatest from from broadcast standpoint, but I don't know if that kind of coincides with how we look at the PGA Championship. But you know, again, to to a tournament that so many people were knocking, I'm 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 actually happy for the people of PGA America for St. Louis. I know Bell Reeve will never be confused as a top twenty course, but I mean, it, it gave the people what they wanted, and it almost had one of the most remarkable comebacks. Uh, in sports history, really, if if you not not to exaggerate anything, because I think we can all agree that if Tiger would have pulled it off, it'd been one of the story for the ages. And uh, even that he didn't, it still was just a really fun tournament to watch. And um, man, it's it was it was it was, a, it was a fun to be a part of. Put it that way. Yeah, no, you're right. We always joke that the worst place to watch golf is to go to a golf tournament, uh, either mm-hmm. for either if you're a media member or a fan. It's just so tough to see everything that's going on. But with how bad the TV coverage is, it actually was better this week, I'm sure, especially if you were inside the ropes, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, I, you know, I charted an hour of TNT's coverage, and there were 33 full shots shown and 30 commercials in that hour. And the Jeep commercial was shown four times. And there were only two short game shots shown. So there were twice as many this awful Jeep commercial versus short game shots shown. I mean, just – it was it was brutal but yeah no let's let's focus on the positive you're right joel um well or the almost positive bell reeve you know say what you will about it it produced a spectacular leaderboard and you're right this would have been not only the golf story of the year but the sports story of the year bell reeve would have been remembered forever it would have been the place where tiger won again the place where he won number 15 um it's incredible that it almost became known for that. You know, Marion is known for, for Hogan's win, obviously. Uh, Bell Reeve would have been known for Tiger's win and so on. It would have, you know, would have gone down in, in the annals of, of sports history. Uh, but um, you're, you're about to get a 800-word letter from Gary Player saying that Bell Reeve is known for where he won. <laughs> you're, right. you're prepared for that. You're right. And I won't get a letter from Nick Price because he, he just he's the nice – he won't say anything about it. Gary Player is a tough, tough competitor. He, you're right. He, he'd probably pull the Brooks Kepka. I'm getting no respect routine. But, uh, yeah, it really was an incredible week. Um, you know, it, what do you think, Joel? Will, will Bell Reeve get another PGA down the road because of this? 
Well, certainly it helps that it's moving to May because it should, if it's uh, <laughs> yeah. St. Louis in August, no offense, I, I think we're okay uh, not coming back in, in this terrain. But um, I'll tell you what, I mean, the way the crowds came out, I, I wouldn't be – you know what, PJ might be a, too far, but I think it would actually be a really nice setup for a Ryder Cup. In a sense of, you could really get creative with the way some of those... There were a lot of tee boxes, I'm surprised they didn't utilize to make a few... Like, I think they could have made number two drivable, or at least they had the capability to. Um, you can stretch out some of those long par fours and the par fives. So, um, with how constructed or tight the confines are, which really helped aid when people say, well, what made this crowd so different? It's like, yes, St. Louis fans were were really out and boisterous. And more important, they were respectful. You weren't hearing a lot of the dumb stuff from crowds that you hear at other other events, even even majors, um, they really were respectful, but also helping that there was not much room on the property, so people were really jammed up, which made for a, a great atmosphere. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if a Ryder Cup ever comes here, but yeah, P- PGA, I think that might be, there's just so many venues in the running. I think they have a book to what, like 2030 anyway? Hmm, so yeah. it's, um, I think PGA might be a little too far, but hey, this, this was a this is a pretty good showing, and if they do get the greens kind of in shape, I think it. I think it'd be an alright venue. Yeah, you're right. The Ryder Cup that would be interesting because obviously <laughs> there were a lot of birdies made this week, and that was with the rough being pretty thick. If the U.S. is hosting, they probably say, "Hey, let's cut the rough down, let mm-hmm. our guys uh, bomb it all over the place." And yeah, you could see a ton, a ton of birdies there. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, Joel, th- this was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was certainly a great week, a uh, thrilling week for everyone involved. I hope you had enough shirts to make it through the week out there. I only changed once. That was actually the first day. Monday was the worst day, and I, I walked 18 and had to change shirts when I came back. Other than that, though, that was the only uh, wardrobe wardrobe malfunction. Everything else was okay. I, didn't, I, I felt bad for Joey. I think he was the, he was the worst, worst case out of this. He had to carry like five shirts at all times. Those tour bags are heavy as is. Now you're throwing sweaty shirts in them. That's no good. Uh, I know. Man, I'm sure his, I'm sure his shoulders are hurting. I know the, time, right now. the new the new move now is to when you hit a bad shot to call for a a shirt instead of a provisional like Tiger did on the ninth hole. That was I think that was a first. Uh, Maybe that's our issue. We don't change shirts during rounds. That, that explains what's yeah, going on for golf games. Yeah. Well, I always thought the dry fit shirts by Nike were you know supposed to last for a whole round, but uh, yeah, I don't know. T- Tiger Tiger sweats a lot, but uh, it was certainly a lot of fun. Seeing him back in the heat of uh, battle, obviously, late in a major once again. Joel, uh, great stuff all week, obviously. Get back safely. And, um, yeah, good stuff, man. It was a lot of fun. Thanks to everybody for listening. And uh, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. And please check back next week to see who our guest is.